the teams you care about. Well, the Patriots have some soul searching to do, and they've got a long off season now to figure out the answers. The stories that matter to you. Well, UVM certainly put Stony Brook and the rest of the conference on notice with that performance. And now this is the team we wanted to see out of the Catamounts. This is your home for New England sports. All right, football's over. Let's get the lockout over, too. Let's get to baseball. I need the Red Sox back. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show. It's a Friday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Nearly a full show today. We go up until 645. Then we've got high school basketball. Brent Curtis will be on the call at that time. He's got Montpelier at Williamstown on the boys' side. Again, tip-off 7, pregame show 645. Lots to get to today. we got conference championship weekend to talk about and... How appropriate. On the day that UVM women's hockey beats the number one team in the country in Northeastern, we are having the greatest player in UVM women's hockey history on this show. Montpelier, Vermont native, UVM product, and 2018 Olympic champion in women's hockey, Amanda Pelkey is stopping by at about 545. So tons to get to. You can get in, as always, on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. Again, 802-585-3026. 802-585-3026. Everybody, Lego. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. If Josh McDaniels takes a job as the Vegas Raiders head coach, if that happens, and the interview is reportedly happening today, if Josh McDaniels takes the job as the Raiders head coach, he 100% should not try to raid the Patriots staff on the way out the door. Okay, Josh McDaniels, if he gets hired, that's fine. He can go. He should absolutely 100% not try to raid the Patriots staff on the way out the door. There's this talk that I've seen over the last 24 hours that if McDaniels leave, it leaves, he could possibly try to take Gerard Mayo with him. Remember, Gerard Mayo is, well, we're not quite sure what Gerard Mayo is, but he's high up on the defensive staff for the Patriots. Him and Steve Belichick kind of appear to be equals right now. There's all this talk because Dave Ziegler, the possible GM who's with the Patriots, possible GM candidate there for the Raiders and McDaniels, they've all got the same agent, Mayo too. So they could all just go as one big big package. If that happens, if McDaniels gets the job, he shouldn't take Mayo, and he really shouldn't take anybody else that's pretty high up with the Patriots. Because if there's one thing that I know above all else that Bill Belichick hates, it's that he hates when assistants leave and they go and take other guys from Belichick's coaching staff. Do you remember the 2019 documentary? HBO put it out, or maybe it was Showtime. I think it was HBO. It was called The Art of Coaching, and it was about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and their relationship. And they were sitting down, I believe, in Saban's basement bar, and they were talking... And Belichick said that one of his biggest pet peeves is when a guy leaves his staff that he also takes other guys from his staff. And I understand that ultimately, if Josh McDaniels does leave, his only real responsibility would to try to make would be would be to try to make the Raiders successful. But I've got to believe that there's a little bit of professional decorum that needs to be exhibited in this case. Bill Belichick gave Josh McDaniels a chance. Back in 2001, after a couple of years on the Michigan State staff, Bill Belichick gave Josh McDaniels his NFL shot. He gave him his opportunity. And then after McDaniels flamed out in Denver as a head coach, and after McDaniels left the Rams after the Denver fiasco, Bill Belichick brought him back. And then after McDaniel spurned the Colts and their head coaching job, 
Belichick welcomed McDaniels back yet again. I've got to think that there is some real gratitude that Josh McDaniels owes Bill Belichick, and it would be really, really bad form for McDaniels to turn around and screw the guy who has literally been there for you at every turn and literally made your career. Guys do take people when they go places. I understand that. You're you're reading Nathaniel Hackett leaves Green Bay, goes to Denver. He wants to take somebody from Green Bay with him to be his offensive coordinator. When Brian Flores left the Patriots to go to Miami, he brought three Patriots assistants with him. It does happen. It shouldn't happen here. Not in this case. Belichick hates it. McDaniels has been been with Belichick for 18 years at this point. McDaniels no doubt knows that Belichick hates this. And McDaniels owes everything to Belichick. He can't turn around and screw him like that, can he? That would be really bad form. It's one thing to leave the job. It's another to then screw your mentor on the way out the door. That's not right. It happens for some people. But not everybody has the relationship that Belichick and McDaniels have. Not everybody has the history that they have. And not everybody has the the, the debt of gratitude that McDaniels should have for Belichick. Look, if McDaniels came in and was a one-year guy in Foxborough and then wanted to take... I would say, you know what? The The loyalty doesn't really exist. I'd say to each their own. This is like an 18-year relationship. This is a guy who made and then saved McDaniel's career. Belichick should not be on the on the brunt of should not be getting screwed in this process. And there are people who disagree with me out there. I've been fielding your your tweets on Twitter all day and I'm dealing and you're out there on the text line now. 802-585-3026. CJ in Burlington. Sure. Bill might not like it, and Bill might be upset about it. But again, if McDaniels gets the Vegas job, his job is to best set up his new team for success. It's not to placate Bill's feelings. CJ, there's also a degree of respect that needs to be shown here. This is just the way that I feel. This situation is different. There are certain relationships and there are certain mentors that you just don't cross. And even though you're starting your new thing, you don't hurt the guy who literally gave you everything. You only have this opportunity because of Bill Belichick. It would not be right for you to turn around and spit on everything he's done for you and to go try to take his staff. I'm thinking of a real-life application here. If you were a cook and you worked at a restaurant for 20 years, and you loved the owner, the head chef, and you know all the recipes, you know all the secret ingredients, you know all the, the inside secrets, and eventually you go to open up your own restaurant. I'd like to think that in that scenario, you would either put your restaurant not in the same town as the old guys, as the previous restaurant, so you don't, you know, are not directly competing with your mentor, and you then certainly also wouldn't go and use all of his same recipes so as to copy what he's done. That would be bad form. This would be bad form here. There's a, there's not always a lot of loyalty in coaching. There's not always a lot of loyalty in sports. Guys get fired. Guys get cut. I get it. There should be a loyalty here from Josh McDaniels to Bill Belichick. If Belichick fired McDaniels, I'd say, okay, so be it. Go take the entire damn staff if you want to. But they have a good relationship. Belichick has been his biggest supporter for almost 20 years. He's welcomed him back multiple times when he didn't need to. There's some loyalty there that should exist. The loyalty should exist, and I believe that McDaniels should respect that. McDaniels put together a well-regarded staff in Indianapolis when he was going to leave the first time. He clearly has the ability to find coaching talent. Find it somewhere else. There's 31 other teams. Well, the Raiders and Patriots removed. There's 30 other teams. 
for you to go raid their staff. There's multiple Division I programs for you to raid their staff. Make the raiders as good as you can, but don't do it at the extent at the expense of the Patriots and at the expense of the guy who gave you everything. I just think there are some relationships that are too valuable, that are too important, that are too special, that you just shouldn't cross, and this is one of them. And let me amend a tiny bit. If I'm Josh McDaniels, he shouldn't go and take from the top tier of Patriots assistance. If there's some low-level 22-year-old quality control coach who he can turn into the, the secondary coach, then maybe I'd be okay with that because that's a clear promotion for that kid, and that doesn't crush the Patriots. But if you're going to go after so now Bill's going to lose his offensive coordinator, and now some of these people are saying he should go and take Gerard Mayo too? No, no, no. That's not right. You want to draw, you want to take from the bottom of the barrel, then okay. You want to go and give some quality control coach and make him the quarterback's coach, I could get behind that. But taking Gerard Mayo, trying to take Steve Belichick, taking the next up in line internally for the offensive coordinator spot, I wouldn't go and do any of that. That would be bad form, and that would be wrong. Josh McDaniels can build up the Raiders all he wants, but, and he should try to beat Bill Belichick on the field, but he should not go and kick him on his way out the door. Joe in Richmond. If McDaniels does become Raiders coach, I agree with you, Brady. Bill could have said no to bringing him back, and uh, he owes it to Bill to not take anyone with him. Thank you, Joe. Exactly. Exactly 100%. Again, you want to take from the bottom of the coaching staff and elevate somebody? The Patriots can live with that, I would imagine. What I can't live with is you taking the guys from the top tier of my staff. Uh, one more text before we go to break. Alex in Heinsberg, how commonplace is it for new coaches to take assistance? Well, again, it's. I think it is common to take some. You certainly shouldn't take all, and in this case, I don't think McDaniel should take anybody of real substantial importance. Ivan fears the running back, the running backs coach. Uh, he, you know, he shouldn't take him. Shouldn't take. Cam Aker, the special teams coach, assuming Bill wants him back, shouldn't take the next up for if there's an internal promotion for the offensive coordinator position to replace McDaniels. You just you can't bite the hand that's fed you for 20 years almost. And the guy, McDaniels doesn't even have a career without Bill Belichick. You got to win, and everybody says win at all costs. This is one where you don't win at all costs. You can have a lot of other people out there. You can't have Gerard Mayo. You shouldn't want him either. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Winter Olympics are coming up. They begin next week. I really can't believe it. I love the Winter Olympics. Some people love the Summer Olympics more than the Winter Olympics. I love the Winter Olympics. And it's hard to believe that four years ago, one of our own was winning Winter Olympic gold. Montpelier native, UVM product, and... Team USA women's hockey gold medalist, Olympic champion, Amanda Pelkey. She's going to be with us next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, someone I haven't talked to, and hard to believe, it's been like two years since I last spoke to her. It's Montpelier native, UVM product, Olympic champion, Amanda Pelkey. Amanda, how are you? Hi, Brady. I'm good. How are you? I can't believe it has been two years. Time flies, but... yeah. In some I'm ways, excited to chat with you. Some in some ways, it. the two years have been incredibly fast, and in some ways, it's been the longest two years of everyone's life. So, yep. You know, Winter Olympics are coming up. Can you believe it's been four years since you won a gold medal? No, I'm. It, it is a little weird. Like I'm seeing all the girls do like all the the team processing, and like I remember all of that like it was literally yesterday. So the amount of time that you know four years goes by, and you're like, oh my god, they're already going again. It is absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, pretty excited. I'm I'm excited to watch, see my friends play, and. Obviously, they're going to have a little bit different of a experience with 
all the protocols. It kind of looks like they're, um, they're all bunkered in, like they have to eat in like cubicles. And so it's so different, but I'm sure they'll still enjoy it. You know, what was the Olympic village like for you? Did you guys stay in the Olympic village? Like, could you imagine having an experience like they're about to have and and missing out on what you had back in, in South Korea? Yeah, it's definitely a huge part of it. I think one of the coolest parts about it is it kind of feels like your own little bubble, right? So when you're in there and you get to see all the athletes from obviously your country, but all over the world, kind of, it's like they build like a little town for you. So it's pretty cool. And then there's some coffee shops outside that, you know, you go and hang out in in your spare time. But like I said, it's going to be very different for them, I'm (laughs) sure, but I'm sure they'll tackle it right at right at their hands and and enjoy it and obviously a different way but i'm sure that they'll, they'll do just fine you know you have been doing a lot in the last four years you've started the amanda pelkey hockey camps which you've had in vermont and you're coming back to vermont again this summer so i encourage you to go to instagram and get all the details by looking at amanda's page but bottom line is you've got camps that serve kids ages 7 to 18 in various capacities are going to be in vermont basically through the middle of June through the very beginning of July. It's June 17th to July 1st. Again, all the details on ages and dates and locations are on Instagram. But uh, take me through kind of the last four years. Oh, God. It kind of seems like a blur, to be honest with you. I uh, moved, I mean, somewhere in the mix, I was still in Boston. So I was still out there training and and coaching. Um, Obviously, still doing all the hockey. So I'm still... You know, I'm still playing, but I play for a team out of Calgary, which is being from British Columbia. It's not like I can go practice with them. So uh, we meet for games, for showcases, and I'm still coaching. So I do, I do skill development for Okanagan Hockey Academy, which is actually the biggest hockey academy in the world. They have locations all over in Europe and North America. Um, so, And then I work closely with the female teams from a coaching perspective when I can travel with them and, and make games when I don't have games of my own. So for the last four years, it's, it's truly been kind of the same Amanda Pelkey hockey all the time. Um, and I moved out here about nine months ago to try something new and meet new people and be in a different environment. There's a lot of biking we can do here, skiing, and it's just all stuff that I love to do. So I said, why not? Let's try it out. And it's been yep. great. You know, you're out in British Columbia. I know how much you love Vermont. Is mm-hmm. British Columbia like Vermont, but 3,500 miles away? It sounds like you're doing <laughs> a lot of the things that you liked in Vermont. Yeah, it's actually quite uh, quite similar. The town that I live in is actually very similar to Vermont. <laughs> there, you know, there's mountains. We're sandwiched in between two lakes, so it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Uh, ski resort is 30 minutes from here um obviously the skiing's a little different in the west people like to go head to head west or east whatever but uh yeah the skiing's great out here um really enjoy it and and it is a small town feel like where i am is uh very centered around hockey there's the best bchl team in town penticton v so it's a very community-based uh town that rallies around the sport and Everyone knows about OHA, everyone knows about Penticton, and then their youth programs are outstanding. They have so many kids signed up and from all ages that I also get to work with as well. So it's been great. It's a little hockey town. <laughs> We're talking with Amanda Pelkey, Montpelier native, UVM product, Olympic champion. She's here with us on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and streaming at WDEVradio.com. Now, you mentioned you're still playing. It, is it a professional league i'm i'm pleading my hockey ignorance here so is it a no, pro league good. out there it's it's confusing for everybody at the moment unfortunately um yeah so it's called the pwhpa okay again very long name uh we've got to shorten that a bit but it's uh professional women's hockey players association so we, we essentially started it um right when we got back from the olympics shortly after uh it's compromise it's it's made up of you know all I would say elite players all across North America. Um, we have similar locations that the PHF, which is another league uh, that's occurring in the States. Um, so we have, how many teams we have? Five, I believe so. So we have Calgary, Montreal, Toronto, Boston, and Minnesota Wow! in our, in our league. Yeah. A lot of travel for you then. Those are all mostly yeah, far places. Yes. <laughs> You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about UVM's success right now. I don't know how much you're following what's going on, but the Catamounts are up to second place right now in Hockey East. 
Pretty well, cool. it is believable, but it's <laughs> awesome to see. I um, I have watched some of their games. Unfortunately, I didn't get. We were we we're planning to go watch them live over Christmas, but obviously COVID seems to get in the way of everybody's mm-hmm. plans, so uh, we couldn't do that. But I've watched them. Oof, probably two to three times now and every time I see them I'm I'm texting the coaches like unbelievable this this team is so skilled they're so fun to watch um I think they could win it this year to be honest so I think I think they're gonna they're gonna go far and um all kudos to them the coaching staff they've done a great job recruiting that those girls and and bringing them together and they're really fun to watch I look forward to keep watching them you know, every time I talk with someone in the women's hockey community, it invariably comes back to this point. Um, how much has women's hockey grown? Because obviously the coaches are great and, and the university's investment is great, but I have to imagine there's just more and more better players coming up, so it makes recruiting easier, which allows kind of a, a greater distribution of teams. Yeah, I mean, the evolution of the game is continuously changing. That's what I think is really cool about all sports, quite honestly. Um, and especially in women's hockey i feel like the skill just keeps getting better better and better it's more finesse it's it's really fun to watch and and how the girls are able to now grow up and hopefully you know obviously with the olympics coming up they're going to be watching those obviously but hopefully grow up where they can aspire to hey yeah i would love to go to college but i would love to also play professionally so even having those like dreams and aspirations i think elevates the skill in itself because girls aren't just simply interested and in the game and and making it a career and also enjoying it along the way so there's a lot of young girls that I mean you see eight to nine year olds you're like that girl's gonna be a player right and that and now they're coming from everywhere it's like it's an all around the world type of thing which is really cool to see Two current Catamounts are going to be playing in the Olympics one former Catamount is going to be playing in the Olympics and Chelsea Rappin who I might have been your teammate briefly. Yeah, she was my team captain. She was a senior. Yeah. She's going to be an official in the Olympics. So, so it's going to be cool. a very cool uh, catamount feel um, in Beijing. That, I mean, four Olympians, that's that's unprecedented. That's yep. Yeah, it's huge. It was so it was Clara Marin and myself uh, were the, she was in 2010 and then she came to UVM. Um, so I think her last Olympics was, was 2010. So she came to the university after her Olympic career. Um, so we got, yeah, let's add more, let's add more Olympians to that list for UVM. Keep it going. I'm excited to watch them. It'll be fun. Well, Amanda, you know, it's a good opportunity for me here because the last time we spoke, I was at a station in Burlington. So I always wanted to ask you Burlington questions, but now that I'm at WDEV and I'm in central Vermont, I could pick on your central Vermont knowledge. So we're in Waterbury. You got any go-to food spots for me, you know, in the central Vermont area that I need to be going to? Ooh, well, right in Waterbury, I think Prohibition Pig is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Obviously you're, you're close to Stowe. Yeah. Tons of staples there. Central Vermont, Diner, Wayside, hands down. It's really good. Homey food. Uh, it's right. I grew up right up the hill from it, so we went there constantly and still do. Um, and that's pretty centrally, that's centrally located. That, that's a staple of mine, for sure. All right, good. Breakfast, and I will... lunch, dinner, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. And I will let you know that when you come back for uh, hockey camps, which, again, uh, in various iterations, June 17th to July 1st, at the Village Grocery in Waitsfield, there okay. is the Brady Farkas sub there. So Really? Yeah. So you know, I'm not saying you have What's to get it? it. What's in uh, it? Turkey, ham, roast beef, lettuce, tomato, American cheese, and Russian dressing. It is a hearty meal, but uh, it's there. Yum. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I encourage you all to go to Instagram and check out Amanda Pelkey's page. You can find out when the Amanda Pelkey Hockey Camp is coming for your age group. But again, ages 7 to 18 can all attend various different versions of the camp. It's going to be in Vermont June 17th to July 1st. Amanda, always appreciate the time. Appreciate to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking when you're here in Vermont in the summer, maybe you come and, uh, you know, guest host with me or something. We'll get you in the I studio. Agree. I would love that. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we- That'd be great. Well, we we will see you in uh, five months or so. Sounds good to me. I'll put it in the calendar right now. (laughs) Please do just that. That's Amanda Pelkey, UVM product, Montpelier native, and Olympic champion. I can't believe it's been four years since, since she won gold. I remember talking to her 
you know, at the world championships leading up to the Olympics, which would have been like five years ago. I remember talking to her after they had won gold. Or no, it was the, the year they, they, the, the women's hockey team almost walked out on the world championships over, you know, an equity issue and wanting equal pay. That was so long ago, and it doesn't feel like it. Like her, it feels like yesterday. And that 2018 gold medal game, USA Women in Canada, that is still, to this day, one of the top three hockey games I've ever seen in my life. And Amanda played a big role in that game. But the top three hockey games of my life are all Olympic hockey games. Canada, USA, men, 2010, Vancouver, Canada wins gold. 2014, USA, Russia, men, that's the one where TJ Oshie's hitting all the shootout goals. And in 2018, Canada, U.S. women, and uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux with the unbelievable goal in the uh in the shootout to 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 be to be canada unbelievable so amanda pelkey awesome stuff and yeah the brady farkas sub is getting some real traction like it, i don't know if troy kingsbury over at the village grocery kind of started as a joke but my college town has named sandwiches after famous alumni i can't even crack like i can't crack the oswego sub shop roster but at the village grocery I'm getting some real traction there. So if you're in Waitsfield, the Brady Farkas sub, uh, very, very cool. And Amanda, it sounds like she wanted to try it. So, hey, I do give you this. The Amanda Pelkey hockey camps are coming to Vermont again. So co-ed ages 7 to 11, that's June 17th to 19th. Girls age 14 to 18, June 20th to 24th. Girls 9 to 13, June 27th to July 1st. You can register online at amandapelkey.com slash camps. That's amandapelkey.com slash camps. All right, when we come back, we'll get the national news update first from CBS, CBS News. And then when we come back, NFL championship weekend, which quarterback has the most to gain from championship weekend? My answer might surprise you. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Remember, high school basketball coming up about 645 tonight. It is the Montpelier boys on the road at Williamstown. Brent Curtis will be on the call. I want to thank Amanda Pelkey for stopping by. If you missed any of that interview or just want to hear it again, you can subscribe to our podcast channel. It's the Brady Farkas Show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You get our full show there as well as all of our exclusive interviews, some of which we do just and we don't even put on the show. We put them exclusively on the podcast channels. So, again, thanks to Amanda Pelkey. I think she'll be great as a co-host, really. When she comes in here for camp, when she's back here this summer, we're going to get her a Brady Farkas sub, and she's going to co-host a show with me. It's going to be awesome. I She's got the chops for media. I have interviewed her enough times now. She has enough of a personality. She's com- comfortable enough on the air. We're going to make that happen. She seemed excited about it. We're going to make it happen. NFL Championship Weekend this weekend. The AFC game is first. That's the Bengals and Chiefs at 3 on Sunday, 6.30. The NFC game, the Rams hosting the 49ers. Question for the room. 802-585-3026. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Which quarterback, the four starting quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, which quarterback has the most to gain from this weekend? Which quarterback has the most to gain from this weekend? I ask you because that was a really hard question for me to answer. They all have massive things to gain from this weekend. They all would benefit massively from winning a conference title and going to a Super Bowl. But after a lot of thought and a lot of deliberation and a lot of wondering if I was right or not, I'm going to say that Patrick Mahomes has the most to gain from this weekend. And you all might be out there thinking that I'm crazy. Brady, Mahomes has already been to two Super Bowls in a row. He's already won one. He's already the best quarterback of the group. What does he have to gain? I'll tell you what Patrick Mahomes has to gain and why it's the most, in my opinion. Patrick Mahomes this weekend is is battling for legacy. That's the battle for Mahomes now. It's about building a legacy. And if he can get to a third Super Bowl in a row 
and then ultimately win two out of three, he would be in rarefied air. That feat would allow him into some really elite company, and it would put him at the crux of some different conversations. I think, number one, I think I think the Chiefs would be considered a dynasty if they could get to three straight Super Bowls and win two. That door opens up if the Chiefs win this weekend. That opportunity opens up if the Chief wins, Chiefs win this weekend. If Mahomes gets a second Super Bowl win, he, he's basically already a Hall of Famer. Two Super Bowls, you're pretty much in the Hall of Fame. Now, I know we got the Eli Manning debate, but we're not going to have the Ben Roethlisberger debate. Ben Roethlisberger is going to get in the Hall of Fame. Two Super Bowls for Mahomes, he'd basically already be a Hall of Famer. And there are people that want Patrick Mahomes to be the greatest quarterback of all time, and they want him to someday surpass Tom Brady. Well, you don't surpass Tom Brady if you don't win a bunch of Super Bowls and the opportunity to win another comes as a result of Mahomes can win this weekend. And then finally, we know how hard it's going to be in the AFC for the next several years. If Mahomes is going to have a chance at catching Tom Brady when it comes to Super Bowls and Lombardi trophies, then he needs to take advantage of the opportunities because as good as he is, we just don't know how often Mahomes will be able to get back to the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Bill Belichick, Justin Herbert, they're all there lined up to try to take a shot at Mahomes and to try to take a shot at the Chiefs. They all pose a threat to you. So you have to capitalize while you are there. If if Patrick Mahomes is to get into the GOAT conversation ever, He's got to find out he's got to find a way to win as many Super Bowls as possible and those doors those conversations happen easier and open up easier if he starts it with a win this weekend. Again, all the quarterbacks that are playing this weekend, they all have massive things to gain. This was not an easy mental exercise for me to perform, but for the other 3 it's about what they have to gain really is money and respect. With Patrick Mahomes, it's something so much more. It's something so much bigger. And if Patrick Mahomes can get to a third Super Bowl in a row, and if he can win two out of three, then I, I just think those conversations, they come much, much easier. I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes has the most to gain out of this weekend. A couple of texts, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line 802-585-3026. I agree. You could say it's because of the offense around him. You don't get better than Kelsey and Hill. I feel that all the other quarterbacks could succeed with that offense. Um, look, if if the other teams in the in or if the other quarterbacks had what Patrick Mahomes has, I'm sure they could be good, but that's not the question. The question is, who has the most to gain out of this weekend? And for me, it's Patrick Mahomes. Rich in Starksboro says, um, let's see. Uh, that's a different different question. I will, I will address that later on the text line. But look, and I told you, this isn't easy. Like Chris Canty from ESPN Radio, he was on today, and he had a pretty good conversation or no, this was yesterday, rather. He was talking about this very same thing, and he came to the conclusion that it was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had the most to gain in Chris Canty's mind, and Chris Canty played in the NFL. So uh, do we have the Chris Canty cut? Okay, we do. It's going to be right here. No? I'm looking for it. Here we go. Burrow, he says. Gojo, I think it's Joe Burrow head and shoulders above everybody else. When you look at the other situations, I think we're having the hardest time pinpointing is Joe Burrow. And he's probably one of the guys that have the quickest turnaround, not only in terms of his performance from a rookie year to his second year, but also in terms of transforming the culture for the franchise that he's played for, knowing how bad the Cincinnati Bengals have been. You know, I mean, of course it's good points. I can make good points for all of them. But for me, Burrow... If he wins this weekend and gets to a Super Bowl, he gets to gain a lot of respect. 
And respect is powerful and respect is important. It's not on the same level as what Mahomes is going for. Mahomes, the, the Burrow has a lot to gain for himself. Respect for the Bengals, respect for him, respect for his talent. That's all great. Mahomes is going for, I mean, he's going for legendary status. He's going for iconic status. That's that's bigger to me than what Burrow is going for. Stafford is going for respect. He's going for the respect that he's never gotten. He's always been a guy who we said is talented, but a guy who could never win the big one. He never had a playoff win until this year. He was the number one pick. He's made a bunch of money. He's had a good statistical career. If he wins a Super Bowl or gets to a Super Bowl, he will be validated from a respect standpoint. That is great for him individually. It's not what Mahomes is going for. It's not what Mahomes is going for. And as for Jimmy G, I mean, he's battling here. What he's got to gain is where am I going to play in the future and how many teams are going to want me? Am I going to stay in San Fran and they jettison Trey Lance? Or am I going to get traded somewhere else and a bunch of suitors are lining up? The more wins he gets, the more money he's going to make in the future and the more teams are going to line up to try to get him. So he's playing for his future. He's not playing for what Mahomes is. Phil on the text line, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. How can you talk dynasty when Mahomes has won one Super Bowl? Well, I just said, Phil that if Mahomes can get to a third Super Bowl in a row and can win two out of three, then that would be considered a dynasty. Generally, dynasty, I think people consider when you've won two in a row or you've been to three straight. Like, I think, now, everybody's definition of dynasty is different, but if the Chiefs can get to three consecutive Super Bowls and can win, you know, win this one, two out of three, and Mahomes is great, then yeah, I would say that they're considered a dynasty. The Patriots got to three straight, and we consider that you know another act in the dynasty. You would have to do the same thing for the Chiefs, right? I went to three straight Patriot Super Bowls. I went to the one in Houston where they beat Atlanta. I went to the one in Minneapolis where they lost to the Eagles, and I went to the one in Atlanta where they beat the Rams. That was three straight Super Bowls, and it was winning two out of three. We called that a Patriots dynasty. We said that that was the reincarnation of the Patriots dynasty. If we're going to give that to our Patriots, we have to give that to Mahomes and the Chiefs. So yes, they're not a dynasty today, but if they win this weekend and they get to a Super Bowl, that would be three straight. And then if they win that, that would be two out of three. That would be dynastic. And so when I talk about which quarterback has the most to gain, it's Mahomes so he can put them on that dynasty track. That's how I look at it. Again, I could make the case for all of them. And when I initially started doing this exercise in my head, I didn't think I was going to come up with Mahomes. I was kind of storyboarding in my mind what everybody's benefit would be. And eventually, I just came up with the fact that, wow, Mahomes has more to gain than I thought. And it turned out in my mind that he was lapping the other guys because, you know, he's, uh, remember the Sandlot? Everybody's favorite kids baseball movie. There's a scene in the Sandlot where the, the reincarnated Babe Ruth comes to Benny the Jet in his dreams. And he says, heroes get remembered, kid, but legends never die. If Matt Stafford gets to a Super Bowl, he'll be a hero. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets to a Super Bowl, he'll be a hero. If Joe Burrow gets to a Super Bowl, he'll be a hero. If Patrick Mahomes gets to a Super Bowl and can win it, he'll be a legend. And that's the difference. That's the difference. That's why he has the most to gain. 802-585-3026. More texts coming in here. I love text line is rolling today here on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Dave up in Essex. Which coach has the most to gain this weekend? Wow. Um My gut tells me it's Sean McVay. Sean McVay has the most to gain. He's already been to a Super Bowl. This would be getting to two for him. 
And then if he were, you know, he's got to get there first to win it. So I would say, you know, I think McVay's got to win a Super Bowl. Andy Reid has a lot to gain in terms of legacy. And I've heard people say that if he wins a Super Bowl, he might surpass Belichick as the greatest coach of all time because he's done it with two different teams and he's been to the Super Bowl with two different teams and one with all kinds of quarterbacks. I, there's a, there's an argument there for Andy Reid, but for me, it's McVay. The Rams have no first-round picks coming. They've entirely mortgaged their future. They have gone all in. Th- what they have done has got to pay off organizationally, and it has to pay off for McVay. He's seen as a genius, and, and I believe that McVay is, but it's got to pay off for him. There is no excuses for Sean McVay. His team is largely healthy, so you can't blame injuries. You can't blame COVID. You can't blame Jared Goff. Everything is set up the way that you want. You are playing at home. McVay is the guy, I think, who has the most to gain. And conversely, he may also have the most to lose. He may lose that uh, you know, genius status. I'm not saying he's going to be on the hot seat if he loses this game, but... McVay's rep is going to continue to take a hit if he can't beat Kyle Shanahan yet again. Kyle Shanahan has dominated McVay in this series. If he can't beat Shanahan again, I think there's a real a real puncture to the McVay perception. And I love McVay, but he, I think he's got the most to gain and the most to lose. Zach Taylor, he's playing with house money. He he's got nothing to lose or gain. Like To gain, yeah, he'd be a hero in Cincinnati, but we're not going to elevate him to GOAT status, and he's not getting fired either from this thing. So he's kind of just what he is. Shanahan, if he can get to another Super Bowl, that would be great. But I think people generally give Shanahan a pass because his team has had so many injuries. Everything is set up perfectly for McVay. They've got the arrow on their back. Most to gain, McVay. Most to lose, McVay. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, we do this every single day. Let's get to who's saying what right here on WDEV. Boom. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show is brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash. That's central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. It begins at only $20 a month. You want to join the club, $20 a month. If you need a free car wash, just one, well, all my listeners need to do is text the word Vermont to the number 30 and then 400. That's 30 followed by 400. So we have said all year, we said all year during the Patriots season that the Patriots had a pretty good infrastructure this year, right? We've said that things were set up pretty well for a quarterback to come in and succeed. And our guy, Lou Merloni, former Red Sox infielder, WEEI in Boston, he really believes that just about anybody could have come in and played this played well for the Patriots this season. Here is what he said yesterday during his show on WEEI. So I am actually back. convinced that Davis Mills would have got you 10 wins and got you in the postseason. I am 100% convinced of that. And if you don't, then you don't think Josh McDaniels or Bill Belichick's a good coach. Because if they, you know, the way he played down in Houston, the numbers, not very far off playing for an awful football team other than wins. So Davis Mills, the quarterback of the Houston Texans, Lou Merloni thinks that he could have waltzed into Foxborough into the situation that Max that Mac Jones had and also gotten 10 wins and gotten to the playoffs. Do you agree with that? 802-585-3026. That is quite the claim. Now, I'm not a, I'm not as high on Mac Jones as most, but I don't think I'd be willing to go there either. Davis Mills did some nice things, and at the end of the year he started playing pretty well, but I just don't think that I can go that far. Look, and I will give Lou a little bit of credit. I don't think he's that far off because the Patriots' schedule was pretty easy. The Patriots had a good team. 
They have Bill Belichick. They have Josh McDaniels. They had a very good defense for a large portion of the year. I do believe that a lot of people, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, a lot of people could have been successful with this team. Here's the difference. Look at the Patriots season in terms of three different arcs, right? There was the first six games where the Pats went two and four. I would say that Davis Mills, a rookie quarterback, probably could have come here and gone two and four. I, I would I would agree that through the first six games, I think that Davis Mills could have had the same record as Mac Jones. Beating the Jets and then beating the Texans, who they beat with Davis Mills. So two and four, they could have done that. End of the season, Patriots lost three of four. Lost to the Bills, lost to the Dolphins, lost to the uh, Colts on that Saturday night game. I would agree that Davis Mills also could have lost three of four down the end. So I think their bookends of the season, I think they I think they were perfectly capable of doing the exact same thing, and that was going, let's see, two and four and one and three, so going three and seven. The difference is that middle seven-game win streak the Patriots went on, I don't think Davis Mills could do that. I don't think that Lou Merloni is that far off in saying that Davis Mills could have had success. I think they both bookends of the season, Davis Mills could have matched Mac Jones and gone three and seven. Fully believe that. It's that middle seven game win streak the Patriots went on. I don't think that Davis Mills could have matched. I mean, do I trust that Davis Mills could have gone on the road and outdueled Justin Herbert in Los Angeles? No, I don't. Do I trust that Davis Mills could have gone into Buffalo on that Monday night? and beating Josh Allen. I know what you're going to tell me, that Mac Jones didn't throw it much, and Davis Mills could have easily just handed off. I don't know that. I don't know exactly what would have happened on both sides if Davis Mills had been there. So I got to think that there's at least two losses in that seven-game win streak. Maybe Davis Mills could go eight and nine. He could be close. He could put up some good numbers, but I don't think you're getting to 10 wins and the playoffs with Davis Mills. I, I just don't. That seven-game run the Patriots went on was special. I don't think that it could have been replicated by just anybody. Now, I will say this. The Patriots caught a break in that seven-game win streak and that they played Tennessee without Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. Davis Mills, I'm giving him credit for that. He could have won that game. But if the Titans had been healthy, I don't think the Patriots win that game. and I don't think Mack wins that game either. So they got a break in that seven-game win streak. I just I just can't allow myself. I think Mac Jones is better than Davis Mills. Maybe not by light years, but I think he's better than Davis Mills. So Lou, I don't think you're I don't think Lou's is crazy. I just don't think Lou is right. I think Davis Mills could have come in in this particular season with the easy nature of the Patriots schedule, and I think he could have won eight games. Eight and nine, I think, would have been attainable. I don't think that ten and six or ten and seven rather and the playoffs would have been attainable. It's the Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Patriots got some really good news today. I'll tell you what that was and how it impacts a couple of different things for New England. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. High school basketball. Brent Curtis on the call. We'll come up in about 15 minutes. It will be the Montpelier boys on the road at Williamstown. Show brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training. That's Pro Driver Training, Vermont's premier truck driver training school. Online at ProDriverCDL.com. If you're looking for the next step in your career, well, they just might be the spot for you. So you can work on your Class A CDL, Class B CDL, get some passenger and advanced skills training. Again, Enosburg and Milton is where the facilities are located, and it's ProDriverCDL.com. Patriots got what I think is some really Really good news today. We found out, Evan Lazar and others are reporting, that Devin McCourty, longtime safety for the Pats, wants to play in 2022, and he wants to play again for the Patriots. Now, he is going to be a free agent, but he wants to play, and he wants to play for New England. I think this is huge for a couple of different reasons. One, he's very valuable to this team on defense, okay? 
this defense was was a top-rated defense for a lot of different reasons. Devin McCourty is a huge part of what they do. Secondary play is so critical in today's NFL with how much passing there is. And you're going to see it again tomorrow, or on uh, Sunday, rather. Cincy, Kansas City, Buffalo in your own division, passing is such a huge part of this league. You need to be able to play in the secondary, and Devin McCourty still can. He's still fast. He can still... Uh, you know, be a guy who can catch guys and tackle. Like, Devin McCourty is still important from a defensive standpoint. He's hugely important from a leadership standpoint. This team has valuable leaders in Matthew Slater, has valuable leaders in uh, on the offensive side of things. You know, I, I look like David Andrews, and then also Devin McCourty on the defense. He's a valuable leader, a valuable mentor. You've got younger players in that secondary still, like Kyle Duggar. You need Devin McCourty there to anchor that thing. But also, and I think that this will go this will go under underrated. This Patriots team needs to build around offense in the offseason. If you want Mac Jones to live up to these Joe Burrow comparisons that I'm hearing, then you need Mac Jones to be given Joe Burrow type weapons and Joe Burrow weapon talent. And think about this. If Devin McCourty comes back and you're able to re-sign him, that's one less draft pick that you need to spend on defense that you can then spend on offense. Think about that. All I've heard about all week is that Joe Burrow is you know, the perfect comp for Mac Jones. Similar body type. They played at the SEC together. Or they played in the SEC. They won national championships. Burrow took a big jump from year one to year two. Hopefully, Mac can do the same. They're both not overly athletic. A lot of people want to make the Joe Burrow-Mac Jones comparison reality. If you want that to be the case, Mac Jones is going to need Bengals-level weapons. Look, they've got Tyler Boyd, they've got T. Higgins, and they've got Jamar Chase. Not to mention a dynamic running back in Joe Mixon. They don't have an offensive line, but they've got real weapons there. If Mac Jones, if the Patriot, if Devin McCourty left, the Patriots need to draft a safety to replace him. They already may need to draft a corner to replace J.C. Jackson potentially. So there's things they have to do on defense in the draft. But if you want the Patriots to take that jump next year, they've got to build around offense. It, they, you saw it. The Patriots had a good defense. A good defense in today's NFL it can't stop a good offense consistently. Your best bet is to try to join them and get into a track meet. And that's different from anything I've ever been taught about football, and that's different from anything I've ever thought about football. You want to be able to keep up with them because you're not going to be able to keep them down. Jamar Chase is excellent. T. Higgins is excellent. Got a lot of speed. Pats need athletes. Pats need playmakers. Pats need game breakers. Because McCourty can come back, you don't have to go and spend an extra draft pick on the defense. You can dedicate draft picks to the offense. You can dedicate free agent dollars beyond McCourty to the offense. That's what this team needs to do. And, I mean, on the draft, by the way, we've got months to talk about the draft. And I try not to get into it earlier than I need to because I just find draft coverage to be so exhausting. But... There's all this talk about the Patriots drafting a linebacker at number 21. Look, they need linebackers. They need some speed in the in the linebacker room. But my God, get yourself a wide receiver. That The Patriots need to get a wide receiver. Somebody who can stretch the field. Somebody who can work on play action. Somebody who can take a screen pass to the house. I don't think that Mac Jones is special. We've had that talk this week. Go get guys for him that are. Go get guys for him that are. That's what we're looking for. If Mac isn't going to be dynamic, then go find him dynamic. So I'm happy that Devin McCourty's coming back. Good from a leadership standpoint, good from a defensive standpoint, and it means more resources can be allocated to the offense. And that is ultimately what I'm looking for. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. There is one text that I wanted to get to. Okay, there is one text that I wanted to get to that we've had here actually for like a day. Kellen in East Hardwick. 
Did you see the Texans are interviewing Josh McCown for their job? They actually just interviewed him. They're interviewing him again, I think, today. says, he's someone who has never coached at all in the NFL or college. Could you see that working, or are the Texans a joke? Well, the Texans, they're very much a joke, but I don't think that they're a joke for this reason. Again, Josh McCown, former longtime NFL quarterback, long, mostly backup quarterback, yeah, he's interviewed now. He's going to be interviewing twice for the Houston Texans job. So do I think that that could work? It's actually a fascinating topic. And it's one I spent a lot of time today thinking about in preparation because I knew I had this text out there that I wanted to get to. It wouldn't be easy for it to work. But I can see a path where this works, where a guy who's never been a coach at all in college or the pros, I could see a path to it working, but it would be difficult. Because at the end of the day, and I've told you this when it comes to Josh McDaniels, at the end of the day, I believe that a head coach needs to be a leader. And a leader, to me, is more than just an X's and O's guys. More than just an X's and O's guy. Most of these coaches, what got them their job is that they were coordinators. They were X's and O's guys. And oftentimes, when they get to be a head coach, they don't want to give up calling plays. Calling plays got them hired. They want to keep doing that. So oftentimes, you see these head coaches who have their heads buried in their play sheets, and it's like they're missing a part of the game. Look, Kyle Shanahan calls plays. Sean McVay calls plays. I believe Andy Reid calls plays. So you're going to see head coaches who are successful doing this, but there's plenty of coaches who stink who won't give up the coordinator duties. But it's like they're missing a part of the game. So I do believe that if you hired a head coach that is really, truly just a manager and a manager of people, a guy who truly oversees things as opposed to having his head in the play sheet, I think that that could work. Now, that coach would have to have a lot of things go right around him, so that would, again, make it very tough. It's tough to hit on all of them. That coach would have to be a great leader. He'd have to be able to manage people, delegate work to the staff, trust his staff, gain the, the trust of his players. He'd have to have all great supervisory and managerial qualities. He'd have to be able to communicate with the players and everyone really well. He'd have to be a great supervisor. He'd have to be a great boss. In McCown's case, he was a quarterback, a leadership and managerial position. I, He does know the game from all angles. I actually think he could probably do that well. And then two, he'd have to hire a killer staff. If he's not going to call plays and not going to be knee-deep in the execution of the game, then he's going to have a top-flight staff there that can do all that in-game stuff for him, and he'd have to trust it. So again, it would be hard. Can you hit on your OC? Can you hit on your DC? Can you hit on your special teams coordinator? If Josh McCown is just going to walk up and down the sidelines talking to players and figuring out when to call timeout, everybody else around him has got to be great. And then finally, which, which McCown has, this would have to be a former player. This could not just be me coming in there. A former player with a resume that could go in and get respective guys. So um, there'd be a lot of moving parts to it. But for the right leader, I think it's possible. Is it likely that a guy who's never coached could go in and be a great NFL head coach? It's not likely. But the question was, do I think it could work? And the answer is yes. I think that it could work. So, yeah, I think it could work. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're getting ready for high school basketball. Today it is Montpelier and Williamstown at the home of the Blue Devils. Brent Curtis is on the call with that one. I want to thank uh, Amanda Pelkey for stopping by. She was excellent as always. I want to encourage you to go find the Brady Farkas Show on our podcast channel, that's Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. When we're back in here on Monday, what's the re- what, what's happened in the Josh McDaniels to Vegas storyline? He's He will have interviewed with the Raiders. Will he have a job in Vegas by Monday? We're going to react to everything that comes out of the weekend. We're going to react to the AFC and NFC title games. And uh, we got a couple of fun announcements to make. A couple of fun announcements to make. That's going to come up on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Remember, Norwich Hockey, by the way, 
It was scheduled for tomorrow. It's been pushed to Sunday at 4 p.m. because of the snowstorm in New Hampshire. So Norwich against New England College Sunday at 4, coverage beginning at 335. Brent Curtis in high school basketball is next on DE1.